Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're Upbringing, we're live Q&A tonight talking about challenging babies, toddlers, kids, Mm -hmm. life, parenting, all the Sibling dynamics. (laughs) So many things. Uh, We've missed you, we haven't been here for a little bit, our life is is a little in in the... Transition. Thank you. In transition. It's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) Maybe you can relate, let us know if you can. Um, jot a little thing into the comments. If you're struggling with something, we've got a handful of DMs we can churn through um, from people who have been struggling with new baby stuff, babies that won't play alone, babies that are struggling with their siblings, siblings struggling with their new babies, Oh yeah, babies crying, not sleeping, eating struggles, um, diapering, dressing, bathing challenges, all the things, toddlers and kids struggling with a new sibling. What's going on with all those things? How's everyone doing? That's what we'd like to talk about tonight, but we really will talk about anything. So let us know. What are you going through? I miss talking. What are you you going through? Tell us what you're struggling with. Oh my gosh. Where do we start? No, we want to hear about your challenges. And I think we can easily bring our challenges um, into perspective and kind of integrate those in because I think a lot of us share challenges, right? With our sensitive kids, with our spirited kids, with our um, sensitive and spirited babies, with our Mm -hmm. sensitive and spirited partners, with our sensitive and spirited selves, right? Mm -hmm. Someone said, when will your spirited support groups open up again? Oh, that's a good question. We're able to do a couple this month um, and we're, we're figuring out what's happening next month because we have our right from the start baby course 
um, which is also uh, a community and coaching calls. Um, you can learn more about that in our um, link in bio and on our website at upbringing.co. Yeah, jot, jot us a note yeah. if you're looking for more support. We can connect with you specifically if we open up dates yeah. for November or if you're needing some individual coaching or support for you and or your partner or other caregivers, let us know. Mm-hmm. We're here. Yeah, we see you. You are not alone. <laughs> Absolutely. What else yeah. is going on, everyone? Mm-hmm. We love these live Q&A sessions where we can just kind of rant and riff and <sighs> connect and commiserate our way through your challenges mm-hmm. around the dinner table, potty training, big feelings, challenging behaviors, testing behaviors, um, everything that makes you just mm-hmm. you know want to drink wine and run away and be angry at people or watch hide movies under the all covers. night. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I like to hide under the covers. That's my You're like, go-to. It's eight thirty. Good night. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, someone said, "Help! My son hits his his sister and runs away." Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so hard. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So much experimentation. So much stress. Mm-hmm. So much. Um, well, I was you gonna know, say humanity what, going on in the transition say, of a new sibling. I was gonna say, what age does this is this child who hits his sibling and runs away? And it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like this could be a two year old hitting the baby. This could be a five year old hitting his three year old. This could be an eight year old hitting its fifteen year old sibling. Like it doesn't matter. Kids hit their siblings because their brains are under construction yeah. and because it's their coping strategy right now for stress in their bodies. For nervous system and brain being haywired and dysregulated, and it's all okay. I love that you normalize that, Kelty. I think that when kids don't feel well, they don't do well. And I think that we have to keep remembering that our kids' behavior is really helpful. It's very triggering and chronic and exhausting mm-hmm. and stressful, but it's also very helpful information to us about what's going on for them. So if your child is running and hitting, their younger sibling and then running away. Mm-hmm. We gotta get curious. I think so much about this is is resisting the culture that tells us that we know exactly what's going on, that we know who is in the right and in the wrong, <clears throat> that we know how to handle this situation, usually using punishment or the control toolbox, which we like to say. Mm-hmm. And so much about our work here at Upbringing that we ourselves are practicing is saying, instead, can we get curious? Can we resist those culture that cultural conditioning that tells us to control right? To know, to do, mm-hmm. right? And instead say, how can we get curious, collaborate, do with, wander through this and move through a challenge that, that really sees to not just our needs or our younger siblings' needs, but to be a quote unquote aggressor's needs. And oftentimes the, that's the person's needs who get gets met least, right? In these mm-hmm. situations when they have the most needs in these situations, that's why they're acting that way, right? Yeah. I want to agree with you, but also disagree with you because okay. I think that since all of us are programmed through that cultural conditioning of a control toolbox, consequences on my terms, now threats, rewards, mm-hmm. overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts, all those on the side too. So natural and normal. If we get into this, why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. What's going on for them? Mm-hmm. I think that we're potentially programmed to examine it through that control-based lens. And I think that I want to just fucking chuck all of that and mm-hmm. say, work on acceptance. Curiosity can often lead to acceptance yeah. when we're looking empathetically at our kids and wondering what's going on for them instead of why, what's, what's developmentally wrong? at play, what needs, right. how are they communicating or, based on their development. Or can someone like us just give you permission to say, whatever your child is doing is okay. Look at whatever your child's behavior is and say, this is right for them right now. 
based on their development, based on their age, based on their stress levels, based on their logistical situations, whatever it is, if I can accept it, if I can look at it with eyes that say, this is okay, instead of this is super fucked up, mm-hmm. I'm going to lean in with curiosity then. I'm going to lean in with compassion and empathy and say, what is this little person needing? What are they struggling with? What's going on with them? But I think that is the fundamental thing that we need to all be trying to <clears throat> kick off these conversations, whether they're in person with our kids or a partner or just in our little minds right up here. Mm-hmm. How can I work to accept reality? Right. How can I work to, ex- and to accept this little person in front of me and all of their diversity that they're throwing my way? Mm-hmm. Diversity doesn't look and feel good all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's our job, especially as quite privileged parents, to say this diversity that I'm seeing this difference from me and my own expectations, experience, neural experience, my own programming, desires. my own needs, and all these things yeah. has to be okay for me to then move forward in an empathetic, compassionate, problem-solving, curious, and loving way to create connection, learning, mm-hmm. collaboration, all those things you mentioned, Hannah. Right. I love that, Kel. It's hard to believe those things. And sometimes mm-hmm. we have to see it and say it to then believe it. We can't just believe You're it like, first. I need to see it first. And I'm like, just fucking believe it. <laughs> just believe it, people. <laughs> We're on like the two uh, ends of the spectrum uh-huh. here. Someone said, hello, I'm really struggling with my four-year-old constantly hurting our two-year-old. It's at the point now where my two-year-old approaches his brother with hesitancy. And I think hesitancy is not in and of itself bad right? Mm-hmm. Your, your two-year-old, it shows that they're learning, that they learn, they're understanding something that they're not always safe around their four-year-old sibling, that maybe they need to engage in the world in a different way. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is going to be okay. I think so often with siblings, we're like, oh my God, the more conflict we see, the more easily we believe they are fucked. They are not going to be giving speeches at each other's mm-hmm. weddings. They're not going to be coming home for Thanksgiving. They're not going to be supporting each other in any way. Mm-hmm. And conflict is not a predictor necessarily in the early years of the future relationship mm-hmm. our kids will have. May I? Yes. I want to also bring up this word <laughs> safe. I don't think it's going to derail okay. you. Because okay. I think that often we want to put it on our kids to keep their younger siblings safe. Or mm-hmm. To be safe. Or safe hands around right. their, their little siblings. And of course we want our kids to feel safe. We talk often about mm-hmm. feeling safe and we can't always control that because there are like mixed chemical reactions between siblings. And that's so hard. Yeah. We can't control safety always in our homes, emotional or physical safety. We're going to try. We're going to try. Yeah. But what we can control is the way that we approach it. And this is the big ask as mm-hmm. parents, even when things aren't physically or emotionally safe for our kids, can we be that person that's modeling mm-hmm. this is okay? And that is emotional safety. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You're okay. I'm here now. Yeah. And that what, le- what he's needing <clears throat> is normal. What you're needing is normal. This situation is normal. Can we kind of impose yeah. an air of safety? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that you lead right into that, Kelty, of the greatest predictor of our kids' future relationship isn't how often they fight, argue, bop each other, <laughs> trigger us, right? It's actually the great, one of the greatest predictors is how we show up as parents, how we show up. Are, what are we normalizing? Is conflict terrible and something to either run away from or fight more about? Is there a, a victim aggressor rescuer situation happening, that triangle? Mm-hmm. Or are we saying conflict? If there's safety in conflict, you can engage, you can sit, you can stay, you can connect non-violently. 
Let's do this. And that's mm-hmm. the approach we have. So when a four-year-old is bopping their two-year-old, that just shows us that's again, like we talked about earlier, it's information. It's mm-hmm. saying this four-year-old is projecting a lot of their stress onto this two-year-old. It's incredibly Naturally, normal. Yeah. Right? Natural, normal, necessary to move forward, to build skills, to build connection. Conflict inherently is valuable in that way. So that's a huge belief that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And the the changing factor, like we just said, is us. It's not in changing our kids immediately. It's not in punishing them to learn, mm-hmm. right? It's in moving through the world in a way that's going to help them learn optimally. Yeah. Right? It's something we talk about often in our um, sibling conflict guide, which you can mm-hmm. get in our shop 20% off right now. But we talk about, okay, so how do we show up in that moment when we see one of our kids tiptoeing around the other one being like, I might get my ass beat right now. <laughs> That is so destabilizing as a parent to think one of my children is living in fear of the other one. That's so scary. Mm -hmm. And I think that our number one goal and check out the guide to kind of flesh this whole thing out or join one of our Spirited Kids Club is to think, how can I be that sensitive support staff? How can I look at my younger kid who's tiptoeing around the older one and notice neutrally? I see you're a little hesitant about getting near so-and-so with their Legos. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe you're worried about, you know, getting bopped or, or why, why are you feeling a little bit hesitant? Mm-hmm. We're helping them tune into their experience and normalize that experience. Not you're fine. Your sister or brother's not going to hurt you. It's fine. Or the other way, don't go near them. It could be really dangerous. Hurt, right. We right. don't want our kids to feel hijacked by their feelings. We want our kids to feel safe and secure mm-hmm. and exploring those feelings. And we're that person. Mm-hmm. We're that co-pilot that says, here's what I'm noticing. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm guessing. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Tune in. I think it's same with the tuning in we could do with the four-year-old who's been mm-hmm. hitting their sibling and just like not caring and running away or mm-hmm. doing whatever. Like, I think it's totally normal to say, how's it been going with you? Mm-hmm. To know as the one responsible, we can't put our kid, our four-year-old, as the, the point person in managing their impulses when they're four and they haven't built that prefrontal cortex yet. It's on us to be nearby, mm-hmm. especially in those times of the day that are tricky. So figuring out what those times of day are, noticing the patterns. Mm-hmm. When does my four-year-old tend to beat on my two-year-old? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be closer then to help them I think and support we should, them. I think we should bring in this next comment and the DM mm-hmm. or the comment really quick. Can you pull that up yeah. on your phone? So someone says, my two-year-old will just go over to his nine-month-old brother <clears> and push <throat> him over while he's sitting up playing. Mm-hmm. He obviously falls back and hits his head. So frustrating. Oh. How can I get him to cut it out? Yeah, I hear that. And then someone else said, so what if they're constantly on the baby? What are they looking for? I have a similar issue with my daughter, but not breaking toys, but grabbing the baby, mm-hmm. rolling on the baby, pulling her down, etc. nonstop all day if they're in the same room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Such this is, great, this is a like, conversation yeah. we can be having about an older kid <clears throat> and a baby, nine month old or smaller, but it can also be with two older siblings. Mm-hmm. It could be like a five and seven year old or eight and 10 year old, whatever it is. And I think that we have to, um, when possible, be thinking, what can we be controlling other than the one or two people in front of us? Mm -hmm. Can we be controlling logistics? Can we be controlling environment? Can we be controlling timing Mm -hmm. of space? Like you Mm -hmm. said, Hannah, when are those moments that they happen a little more often? Can we be lifting the baby up on a changing table nearby us? Can we have them in a little bouncer on the counter while we're cooking? Can we have one kid working on Legos in their own room with a baby gate up, Mm -hmm. right? And I think this tethers back to that that conversation around safety. We want our kids to be safe and feel safe, absolutely. But it's our job, not theirs, Mm -hmm. 
to Mm -hmm. be safe with one another. So I think when our older kids are getting in there on the baby's um, little worlds, they're bopping them, they're pushing them, they're squashing them, they're like three stooging on them, right? That says to us, not how can I control this little human and put the accountability on on them them and test them and say, you know, don't go there or don't touch your brother or soft hands on baby, even though you have rage face. Instead, we're going to say, like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I'm going to accept where my child is right now. They're stressed. They're developmentally appropriate for for their behaviors, for their brain development, all the things. And I'm going to say, what I'm seeing now is okay, but something needs to happen with it. So that's my job. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to help move the baby. I'm going to help create space. Looks like you're getting in there a little too much. Oh, baby's face is getting squashed. I'm going to pull you off them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're pu- you just pushed the baby over. Oh, baby, are you okay? I'm so sorry that happened. I'm going to make some space. Do you want to go help mama or papa cook some dinner? What were you wanting? What are you needing here? What's going on? Right? right? Yeah. We're saying it with a tone of, I see you. I value you. I acknowledge that you're always doing the best you can. And I think I want people to type in here if they're like, but they're not. <laughs> That's not true. This is what a lot of partners say. If they were doing their best, they would be doing their best. They would be doing better. It's not won't. They would be doing you know, my it's not can't, best. It's won't. Right? And we say the opposite. It's not <clears throat> won't. It's can't mm-hmm. based on our babies and kids' brains. Mm-hmm. Right? So whatever we're seeing is the best they can do, period. Today. Right now. Right now. And the best way to build their skills is not using control, fear, punishment. Shame. That's not how learning happens best. It's through connection, collaboration, curiosity, essentially security. That's how skills are built, right? Yeah, someone said Truly, deeply. And you, the parent asked, how can I get them to cut it out? The best way to get them to cut it out is to be there, to inhibit mm-hmm. it from happening completely, to, to, to stop the impulse. Right. Mm-hmm. And lovingly do it to redirect them to what they were needing beforehand to build that awareness, mm-hmm. get that to that root cause. So they don't get to the point where they're lashing out when they don't know what's going on. Let's help them figure out what's going on so they can more adaptively communicate yeah. that. And then those times that we can't, we can be there to support and process, mm-hmm. right? Create again, security and safety and normalcy around what they were needing, what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times these older kids will continue to search out the kid, the younger sibling, mm-hmm. bop them, hit them, push them down, do whatever. Or other partner. Because they're mm-hmm. not feeling good and they know now that that's a communication strategy to express themselves or to get your attention or to really show how shitty they feel, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the way to cut them, to get at them to cut it out, quote unquote, is to break that cycle and not through punishment, but through connection and to say, how can I connect with you mm-hmm. in my physical presence and my emotional and psychological presence yeah. that creates that security for learning to have. I think I'd like to ask everyone here, try to think of a moment that you want to complain to your partner or your friend or your mom or your father-in-law or a friend, whatever it is where he keeps or she keeps or they keep, my kid just keeps doing this. And how can we take that little moment and just hold it in our hands for a second and rethink it and think, what are they needing? thinking, what can I change logistically? What can I change environmentally? What can I change through my beliefs, through my heart, through my approach to change this? Instead of saying, how can I change them? How can I fix them? How can I make them stop, make them do, make them whatever it is? I think we all have those those situations and they pile up. And I think it's that pile up 
that's actually incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. We need those pileups to remind us to rethink, to rewire, to pivot, right? And to remember that the power is within us to make mm-hmm. changes in our approach and in our lives rather than putting the pressure on a child that's like literally not developed yet, mm-hmm. right? They're going to learn through witnessing our growth and our learning, right? There's mm-hmm. huge, huge influence in that. Someone said, just want to say how much the Right From The Start course helped and supported me through the first year with my son and our three and a half year old sensitive and spirited daughter. So thankful for you. Thank oh, you. thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah and Jen too. Yeah. Our Right From The Start course is open for enrollment for the next 10 days or so. If you have any questions, type them in the chat. Otherwise, check it out. Our link in bio. Mm-hmm. Someone said, I'm transitioning back to work over the past month. And when at home, my 17-month-old has been exhibiting separation anxiety. Understandable, of course. But even if I walk across the room, she cries. Help. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's really hard. Figuring out that was something we talk about in our course a lot of like needs. All mm-hmm. of this is about needs. Our baby or our child's needs, our needs. How do we get all of those needs met? And generally, as a responsible caregiver, we have to get our child's needs met kind of more than our own before our own. But we also have to get our needs Mm -hmm. met if we're going to meet their needs adaptively. So it's this kind of like chicken and the egg, which one starts first, right? It's It's like the oxygen mask has to go on first. It's really hard. And I think that uh, separation anxiety is so great. You see it as that. They're not just being a pain in the ass. They're not driving you crazy. Mm -hmm. They're just needing you and they're communicating that. And so you want to honor that impulse and honor that communication. You want to think about, gosh, and get, uh, get curious, right? In those moments, how can I support them? How can I be the person that they need? They're naturally communicating. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to be holding them all the time. Mm -hmm. It can also mean I can respond in other ways that show them security beyond getting 100% of their needs met. I can show security in a lot of other ways that are 80%, 60%, 50% if I have to get this call done, right? But it's figuring out what's that balancing mm-hmm. act that's going to feel different for every family and right for every person. And the balancing act within a, within yeah. you as the parent of, do I have to walk across the room or can I be near? If I have mm-hmm. to walk across, then I go straight to validating and acknowledging feelings. Mm-hmm. You didn't want me to walk across. I got to do these ah. dishes really quick, honey. Oh, You wanted me to be right with you. I love you. Or I got to run and grab that sweater. So cold. I'll be Mm -hmm. right back. And showing with with our countenance, with our words and our tone, I see you. I validate you. I acknowledge that you want me right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to create safety with my tone, my countenance, my words, all of those things. Our babies and our toddlers aren't always going to have their needs met. They're not always going to feel happy. And that's okay. It's okay. What they they can get from us is saying that it's okay to feel those things and their security and feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. All of us adults need help in saying, I can feel comfortable and feeling uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is where it is. This is the work that we can do with our babies and our toddlers right now is saying, you're uncomfortable. And I can't necessarily change that, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, through my vibe, through my voice, through my face, right? I'm going to show you that it's okay and that you will be secure soon. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like, I don't, uh, the, the phrase multiple oppressions is popping into my head <clears throat> from feminism books we've read. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same, obviously, but I think that emotionally it's something that a lot of us have undergone, which is we lose someone or we lose something. And that's the first thing we've lost. And then someone says, don't feel that way. You're wrong to feel that way. And that's the second loss we, mm-hmm. we undergo. Yeah. And I think that, that it's okay for our kids to have that first loss. You can't 
shoot the hoop right. Daddy left and you're sad. No you, more cookies. You wanted more cookies and there aren't any. Um, you know, you, you want to stay at the park, but we have to go. All of those things are okay. Mm-hmm. But if we can stop and refrain ourselves from adding that second loss, mm-hmm. which is saying, I don't get you. I don't understand why you feel that way. Yeah. Don't feel this thing. Our kids will be fine. Our kids will be better than fine. Yeah. Our kids will know that whatever they they undergo whatever they feel, whatever they suffer through in their life, it's going to be okay. And not because we're telling them not to feel it, but because we're saying it's okay to feel it. It's okay to have felt it. Yeah. yeah. I love that, Kelty. I love that. That's how resilience is built. Not by protecting them from any feelings and right? not by shitting and on not them. by <laughs> punishing them yeah. for any feelings, but it's that middle way of saying, these are the feelings you have and you're safe in those and you're not alone and I'm here. Right. Or I'll be here soon. Right. Yeah. And I would say preparing kids it's as well step. is another way. So that's just the in the moment and then the post-processing. But beforehand, we could say, I'm going to go grab my sweater, do my thing, hey, make honey, the lunch. 17-month-old totally can get this. In a couple minutes, I'm going to go to the backyard to grab some stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be here working? Are you going to be over what there? What are you going to be doing? What can we do? What yeah. are you working on? Or in a little bit... Mm-hmm. The nanny's going to come and I'm going to go to work. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, no. Or they're just absorbing Or they're it. just in their own thing. And you can say, and, say, and you might feel sad. You might mm-hmm. feel upset. We're preparing them, right? We're not mm-hmm. stressing them out beforehand, but we're, we're supporting them in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm going to be here and it's going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. So we're helping. We're stretching out a stressful moment from talking about it earlier, lovingly dealing with it in the moment. And then after we process later yeah. and say, it was hard today when I went to work mm-hmm. or it was hard when I was, had to keep going to that, that stove and or you that didn't baby. like that. You hated that I had to yeah. go change the baby's diaper and nurse it the was baby. So hard. It was hard. Yeah. It's so funny. You were talking about stretching out that timeline and we've been so culturally conditioned yeah. to shorten it. Yeah. Make it stop is the impulse that yeah. we all Get have over that. when our kids are having those big feelings, are needing us, are whining, are stressed, are angry. We're just like, just no more, just yeah. no more ever. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's, that's the bravery that we can be stepping into in our, in our adult selves as we show up and grow up alongside our kids is saying, my goal is to just try to get more comfortable in this discomfort. How can I sit in this? How can I slow this down instead of speed this up and push through and past it. Mm -hmm. Because that's where all the learning happens, right? I mean, it's hard to remember that, right? That learning happens in the most challenging moments. It's not when we're baking cookies. It's not when we're reading to our kids. It's not when we're pushing them on the swing. Well, it's those two. Those are sweet moments, right? But the biggest moments happen when shit is going down, when needs are competing in a really big way, Mm -hmm. right? That's where growth happens. That's where we can say, instead of teaching you the control approach, right? Consequences on my terms. Now, threats, rewards, lectures, overpowering, shame, blame, thinking, time All those things that come really natural to us. A lot of eye rolls. In those (laughs) those stressful moments. I do a lot of (sighs) huffing. Exasperated, like huffing, right? Instead, that's what our kids learn because we do it, right? What are we teaching them, right? Can we instead build some powers beyond control? Mm-hmm. Can we practice those moments that, that tell our kids that conflict is okay, that they can be safe in conflict, that they can be safe and feel um, an entitlement and an authority to their own needs mm-hmm. and also respect of 
Um, and curiosity towards other people's yeah. needs too. And that's, that's the, the silver lining of stretching out the timeline where you're mm. like, Oh God, why would I stretch this thing out? That feels like <clears throat> torture to me, but that's actually more moments and more opportunities to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Cause this timeline gets stretched out. We're going to fuck it up X, Y, Z ways. Yeah. We're going to huff and puff our way through it. We're going to eye roll our way through it. We're going to yell our way through it sometimes. And that's okay. But if we're thinking of this as a longer timeline, that means we have more chances to repair. It's like Groundhog Day, though, when Absolutely. you really think about it. It's just like, like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow yeah. and put your little hand in mine. Like, we're, right. we're in it. It's going to keep happening. We're going to keep it's getting the blessing and the curse, right? Right? To yeah. say, oh, that was hard earlier. Hmm. Or to just be like, earlier. Mm. And that's all we can say. That's progress, too. I love you. Oh, I love you. Mm. Or just a little pat. Right. Or a little, like, I'm so, so sorry. Like whatever it is, yeah. Like it's all progress, mm-hmm. and that's the the beauty of letting go of this ideal that we know everything and that we have all of these incredible things to impart to our kids. We've got some incredible things. Don't get me wrong, but we're going to be learning from them just as much as they are learning from us. We're going to be learning together. We're lucky. We grow together. Yeah. That's the gist. Yeah. Amy, struggling with sleep with my four-year-old, which coincidentally is a huge trigger for me. I don't remember the last night he slept through the night, pushes bedtime later and later and struggling, being exhausted in the morning when it's time to get up. We've worked with him to meet the needs. He asked for surrounding this, but nothing seems to be helping. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thanks for sharing that, Amy. Yeah, I can really relate to that. Um, I kind of remember your son is four, four four-ish, my son's five and has been really struggling with sleep too. And I think it's it's one of those things that we never really realized going into parenting. I think a lot of us were like, okay, so when we have babies, we're gonna be tired. And everyone's like, sleep when your baby sleeps. Like, it's just a newborn thing. Um, and a lot of people don't talk necessarily about the fact that their kids struggle sleeping mm. forever. And that they mm. struggle sleeping as a result of that forever. Um, I think my daughter didn't start sleeping through the night until she was six and a half. Mm -hmm. And now she wakes up and we'll just start reading in the morning on her own. Mm -hmm. And she only comes in if she really needs us or something going on. My son will wake up anytime between one and five times a night. He's five years old. And that's where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of these, these types of quandaries around sleep is asking ourselves, how much do we have control over in terms of logistics and timing and connection and rolling out the red carpet for this process of acclimating and letting go into sleep. Mm -hmm. And how much of it do we just have to accept and know that this is not permanent and this is part of the process. This is another way that we're meeting our kids where they are Mm -hmm. in this really fundamental and important part of, of growing up and attuning to their own body processes of self-care. It's a self-care yeah. ritual that happens. And I think that it's really hard to remember that with our kids when we're thinking about our own self-care, which is go the fuck to sleep because I'm so tired <laughs> and I need to get my own rest. And that's so understandable. And I, I feel like I always want to bring it back to nervous systems and talk about how we're all these bundles of nerves and how we've been going, going, going during the day. And especially for those sensitive and spirited kids that we talk about a lot in our Spirited Kids Club, it's just harder to wind those systems down. And that everybody is very unique in how they wind down and how they wake up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like all of those transitional elements, even not even from wake to sleep, but from like eating to not eating or not eating to eating or from screens to playing up or play to out, or play yeah. to cuddling or from listening to speaking. 
all of these, these processes are incredibly unique based on our child and based on us. And so our process is one way and our kids mm-hmm. process is another way. And so it's so much about this is, is just this deep dive and this investment in understanding and getting curious again about who our child is and what their body needs based on that nervous system to find sleep. And I know Amy, you work a lot with the sensory stuff with your son, um, and figuring out those ways. But I feel like because kids are developing, because we're all developing and because sleep develops over time, it doesn't stay the same for any single person over their entire lifetime. It's going to continue changing. We're having to kind of catch up mm-hmm. and move forward and be like, oh God, what do they need like now? Oh God, what are we needing now? Yeah. It's really, really tricky. So I think it's so much about it is like you said, Kelty, accepting that where they are is where they are and what they're needing. And then also saying, and what can I do to support that? Not fix it, not change it, not, not, you know, do anything crazy, but just say, what can I do to support it? Is it giving them more cuddles? Is it giving them more sensory regulation with jumping or pressing or whatever? Mm-hmm. Is it letting them stay up a little later and letting them sleep in a little more in the morning if possible or get that nap? or find another way through Mm -hmm. this time, through this developmental state. And how can we be supporting ourselves or helping our partners support us or each other in this time? I think those moments that we're like, how can I make them? I'm just, (laughs) we get like mad scientist mode. And I think that we have to remember, how can I support as their sensitive support staff? And how can I look to myself, to my partner, to our routine, to acclimate to that, to balance with that saying, here's Mm -hmm. how things are right now. Right now, they're waking up four times a night. Okay, so what does that mean? Do we have to go to bed at eight now? Okay, do I have to have my clothes laid out? Okay, do I have to have a quilt and blanket in their room in case mm-hmm. I need to go in there? Okay, do I have to have the guest room set up? Okay, do I have to have three cups of water with this mm-hmm. much stacked by their mm-hmm. bed? Okay, so I, do I have to have three little night lights that are queued up and ready? Okay, do I have to have a stack of books like this ready for in the morning for them to flip through? Mm-hmm. and a little bowl of blueberries by the bed, I am ready, mm-hmm. right? That's attunement right there. And it's hard and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You're like, not like, I know exactly what my child needs in a moment or baby needs in a moment. Mm-hmm. This is something you discover over time, just like with a partner or just like with yourself. What does your partner need when they're sleeping and getting yeah. comfy, cozy? And that's it's like, different than it's you. Like, but it's a good reminder. I love taking this, what is my kid uh-huh. needing and thinking about it in terms of partnership or in mm-hmm. terms of ourselves because we're going to fucking ask a partner. We're going to ask a sibling or a friend or ourselves. So let's ask our kids. Yeah. seems like bedtime's been late lately. What are you needing? Or I've been in here a long time tonight and I'm starting to feel sleepy myself. What can I do to support you? Mm -hmm. What are you needing right now? Mm -hmm. Are you needing some presses? Can I get a pillow and squish you? Can I get a little brush? Would it feel good to get brushed down? so good. Right? Keep going. Are you needing the, the little... <laughs> oh my God. Stop. Right? The little asleep. massage down this magic spot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Right? Head rubs. I cannot speak more highly. Well, and Amy said so, uh, so tired because he's so spirited and active and mm-hmm. she's so depleted. So those are two things. He's needing activity and you're needing rest. So how can we get you rest so that you can show up in a way that can match and support his activeness? And then mm-hmm. what can we do with his energy level to get that shit out before bedtime. We often think like, we're relaxing, we're chilling this is out, this time. Is, we're winding down for bed. Mm-hmm. And nervous systems need to express before sleep. That's Some why kids are like, I'm sorry, I need to do the opposite of that. 
That's why crazy shit happens. Wheelbarrow walks, Mm -hmm. tugging on things, climbing stuff, Mm -hmm. being hung upside down, being squashed by something, Mm -hmm. laughing, getting tickled, maybe crying. Mm -hmm. Like my kids' tea kettle screamed until they were like two before every sleep and when they woke up from every sleep. Mm -hmm. That's just what they needed. And now that's like shifted a little bit to laughing. Sometimes it's still crying and that's Mm -hmm. okay. But adults too, like they got to laugh. They have to have sex. Mm -hmm. They got to do sports and get athletic. Shower, work out. Shower. All of these are sensory regulating activities that we do as adults. And our kids need their version of those things. Mm -hmm. And they don't always know what they are, but they show us, Mm -hmm. right, through their behavior. Well, how can we do, what can we do to support those those things, right? Yeah, it's something we talk a lot in our Spirited yeah. Kids Club about. Bedtime is like, actually, we talk about it in our Right from the Start course too with babies. Bedtime yeah. and, and sleeping is the first time we actually probably come into conflict with our kids, yeah. their needs and our needs. That's our first conflict. And that's a, like a beautiful moment to start sorting out those needs, not necessarily verbally negotiating, but trying to attune to what they are needing and what they're going through, what we're needing, what we're going through, and how we can reconcile those needs together. And then as our kids get older and older and older, we think they showed me they can go to sleep or maybe we did some sleep training and it worked. Or maybe they've been sleeping on their own a bit or maybe in this room they were doing okay, but now they're here, we moved or school's transitioning or other things happen. And our kids can sometimes quote unquote regress. Which is an ebb and, the f- and flow of I regress all with things. sleeping all the time. <laughs> totally. I have a pinched nerve right now and I've been sleeping like shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like the worst toddler like right now. Five pillows and you bed. have to watch like Netflix at a certain oh angle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and like I'm being such a bitch to Alex and like just ordering him around with all the, the water and the fan and the things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like the high maintenance sensitive yeah. spirited child right now in my bed yeah. like every night that that's that's oh, what we, yeah. how we often picture it is i want the easiest most conforming and obedient child at bedtime i want a quote-unquote good sleeper right and high maintenance is a negative term and it's an unfeminist term mm-hmm. it's terrible right High maintenance means particular means having needs means expressing their needs means knowing self Means so many yeah. good things. So can we look at our kids' bedtime needs, at their transitional needs? A lot of people are like, oh my God, they need this and this and this to go out the door. Their socks have to be like this, their backpack, their jacket. It has to be all even like this on the, the backpack. And the my kids were all over this sort of fanny pack craze that they've been going through. And it has to be a certain amount of tight and can't pop below the shirt or above the pants and all this stuff. High maintenance in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Channel your feminist self. It's all good, mm-hmm. right? How can we be building this, this kind of environment, whether it's bedtime, and rituals, and ritual, anything around consent, around what their needs are, and them having that permission to express those needs. But it's hard <clears throat> because like, it's a conflict of interest. It mm-hmm. goes against our own needs mm-hmm. so strongly. It's like, I want to go to bed. I want to go do something else. I want to leave this room. I need to be away from you. I love you, but I need some space. So it's really hard to kind of to be the the conductor the what how do you uh, the ringleader the ringleader right. step right on up let's do this or mm-hmm. the spa person being like is this good for you you, you guide need? me right making <laughs> a blanket and Amy said great tips we're trying to figure out if the setting or the activity is best before bedtime moment it seems they have similar effects but we're working on it we ask him too you're doing all the things Amy yep yeah we wish you luck you're figuring it out. 
Yeah, but bedtime really is a matter of consent and it's a matter of mm-hmm. of body safety and of, of setting our kids up for this conversation of at night in intimate moments, I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel that your needs matter. I want to feel that mm-hmm. you to feel that you have a voice in this moment mm-hmm. about your body, right? Mm-hmm. And I want you to think that this is how, the way that I'm acting right now as your parent is how you will potentially judge a lover or an intimate partner, somebody who's interested in what you need, somebody who will give you what you need, Ideally. somebody who's communicative about their needs in a loving way, mm-hmm. right? Someone who's mm-hmm. not going to coerce you or force you or oppress you or harm your body or, or, judge, or you. judge your, your needs, mm-hmm. right? We are that first model for our kids. It's so hard thinking, oh my gosh, I'm their first lover. I'm their first teacher. I'm their first um, neighbor, neighbor, friend, everything. And their first, all those things. And oh my God, I can also be their first bully. I can be their first oppressor. I can be their first mean kid. I can be their first like shitty boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And we're all those things in those in moments too. It's and okay. that's okay. Yeah. Like with awareness, we can keep building towards those ideals and keep aligned in those moments that we just want to control and just fucking get through it. Mm-hmm. Right. Someone said tips to accept a partner that no longer feels aligned. It feels like the more I do the work to face myself and heal and grow, the more he seems committed to complacency and denial. I'm so Aww. sorry. That's so hard. You're not alone. And I would say therapy. Mm-hmm. We always high five um, would be the place that we would um, suggest. I would say continue during your work, continue trying to connect with your partner in ways uh, that uh, you would with your kid those same ways. I think another person's growth can be very um, threatening and stressful and can be hard. And everyone's personal work, the work mm-hmm. is at different places and different times. And how can you align with your partner in accepting when and how that how that is and what that looks like? Yeah, we talk That's, in a number of yeah. episodes and videos too about caregiver clashes and like trying to figure out what is what are our deal breakers. So get on a piece of paper and be like, what are the things that are stressing me out the most? Okay. They're spanking them. That's it. That feels like a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Or they're screaming at them, like red face screaming for a long time. That feels like a deal breaker. The other things where they're maybe yeah. shaming them a little bit, or maybe impatient and rushing them through things, or maybe over praising or judging, or maybe ignoring them when they're whining or needing things. I'm going to set those things aside and I'm going to focus on the two things that matter a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can connect with those about those things through yeah. therapy through a mediator, person to person about wanting to get aligned and on the same page with the caregiver for the interests of our kid. And so much about that therapy mission, at least for me personally, was understanding my partner's um, upbringing and and their own trauma, their own um, kind of attachment relationship. And it helped me just build so much compassion for them that really then came very clear with what I can let go and understand Mm -hmm. and accept that bugged me versus what I would want to like really get in the nitty gritty and set some hard boundaries about. Um, But it really made us feel more on a team when we understood each other from an upbringing perspective where we were both kids and and little kids needing. Mm -hmm. And then also from a values perspective as adults saying, these are our values that we share, even though we're going about them in different ways Mm -hmm. Let's connect on those values. And that helped a lot as well. But I would just, I think it's kind of in the moment, outside the moment. So outside the moment, can you connect about getting some therapy together? having some direct conversations mm-hmm. about values. Like, here's where I'm coming with this parenting thing. How are you approaching it? 
where did that come from? Do you have research to back your yeah. approach around spanking or yelling or shaming or any of those things? Like, let's talk about this. We've got the kids' mm-hmm. best interest in mind. Let's connect. Yeah. So that's outside the moment. And then inside the moment, I would recommend connecting with our partner the same way we would another sibling. And it's mm-hmm. something we talk about in our siblings guide. Should we Add treat, them in to we treat sibling, everyone yeah. in the room as someone who's struggling and has yeah. needs that aren't being met? Can we, in those moments we walk in, maybe a partner's upset or frustrated or a kid or yelling or manhandling them or whatever might be happening and try to be that cool, calm support staff, that person, that EMT, right? Person instead of a judge, jury, referee, hall monitor. Can we be that neutral mediator, that sport, like sports caster that mm-hmm. says, oh my gosh, everyone. Okay. Let's take this down a notch. Papa, it seems like you're struggling. How about you take a break? Okay. Little guy one, Mm -hmm. let's make some space here. Oh my gosh, everyone's really upset. Let's take a deep breath. Okay. Because let's be honest, our partners very often need just as much security as our kids do. We often need those same things and we don't have someone there I would love to be handled in those moments. If someone could swoop in and be like, Mama Kelty, you're really struggling. You'd be like, oh my God. Yes. And we can give you that do to that our, for me all the time. We, can, we do that for each other sometimes, yeah. but we can give that to our partners if and when possible. And that can, that can go a long way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello, everybody new. We're not saying hi to people. people. Sorry. We're not catching up. We got to connect on, on a, uh, we got a lot of other things going on here. We're talking about the hard and challenging feelings, behaviors, new babies, hey, cream. stressful moments. Absolutely. Uh, we want to talk everyone. about how we're showing up and growing up together. Yeah. Humbling, inspiring, helpful. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Let's see here. What else have we got going on here? I don't know. I'm almost time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Let's do, how about some rapid fire here? Okay. I don't like to leave like anyone What's going hanging. on in everyone? Rapid fire. How do you stay going on? How do you stay empathetic and compassionate and a good co-pilot? I love all those. Uh, when your kid brings you to the brink all day, every day, I'm going to leave that to Kelty to answer because she has the, the more spirited and sensitive, um, kids in her life. And that's a lot. What would you say? Like a single answer for how do you stay when they bring you to the brink? What's, what would be your, your, I don't know. It's advice. not a, it's not a single bullet, like golden bullet, silver bullet. I want to say golden bullet. Cause I like gold more. Um, I don't know. I was walking with my husband this morning and the kids who are on scooters and we're kind of supposed to have some kind of like connective family time on this walk and wanted them to scoot ahead so we could talk about some stuff going on. And, and they just, they scoot like right around you and they scoot right in front of you. And they're like showing you the things and talking to you and getting in your way and bonking you with the scooters. And, and my husband looked at me like, like, they, why can't they just scoot ahead? And and we're in this period right now where the kids are home all day and we're with them. Um, I'm with them five days a week until the late afternoon when our husbands can take over. Yeah. And I was just like, this is how it is right now. And I think yeah. seeing someone else experience what um, the challenges that my kids can yeah. kind of present sometimes based on who they are and where they are helps me really. And I think that that's what I hope these talks will give to you is hearing other people going through these things. Like Hannah, when you are challenged by my kids, yeah, it helps me. It makes me feel so much better and so relieved. It's not where I look at Kelsey like, fuck me. It's not, it's it's not so vindication. Crazy. It's validation. Yeah. It feels so good that other people can look at it and say, this is so hard. 
Wow. We can't get a fucking word in edgewise. We can't talk for more than 25 seconds without someone cutting us off verbally, physically, getting in there. Mm-hmm. And, it, and like you said, you feel like you're on the brink all day. Mm-hmm. And I think that tethers us back to our work as parents in our self-reg game. How can we be focusing in this, not just this nitty gritty, those moments, but this bigger picture game, this bigger picture goal of building these skills and self-regulation that we were never taught as kids. And everyone's like, take deep breaths. And I'm like, fuck you, don't tell me to breathe. But taking these deep breaths, pulling ourselves above, like we're watching a movie or watching a play. And how would we write this? How would we laugh about this? What would people say about this? Right in in physical grounding in doing our arms like this at the brink. This is me, right? right? Slapping my legs, focusing on colored things around I me. I can take you out of that moment, that trigger spiral, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in being frank and being honest with your kids, narrating Depend- how you're feeling or what you're right. seeing in a, or what's in going a general on. like nonviolent yeah. communication way. I'm starting to struggle. <sighs> like, what would the narrator say in this scene? Mama's starting to struggle as she sees me being like, ah, right? Or I'm needing space. I'm I'm needing, like, my daughter will climb up and just be right on me like this, like anywhere I am. And it just, it it helps me saying, I think I'm needing space. You're wanting to climb on me. And I'm feeling claustrophobic. And it's very neutral talk. And it helps me too. Instead of stop doing this, Mm -hmm. stop, why are you this, 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 or I only want I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this, I'm needing this, and not putting it on my kids, but having to move my own body off my little back heater in bed sometimes when I just want to be there. And they, they're like like magnetically drawn to wherever I am, mm-hmm. right? That's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's a process. And I love that question. Like, how do you kind of like struggle with and embrace those that that chronic nature mm-hmm. of being needed and of being um feeling used mm-hmm. or feeling resentful or feeling used up like i get that feeling so so much and those questions make me feel so much better in my own feelings about mm-hmm. that and that doesn't mean to do anything differently with our kids necessarily it can mm-hmm. also just be to find other support for us mm-hmm. right to seek out those things as yeah. best we can to tell my partner I'm feeling fried today or every day this yeah. week, or I'm needing time away or to tell my kids, I need you to be in the other room for 20 minutes. I Let's have, talk about I needs. have to have you be away from me. How can we make this work mm-hmm. instead of get out of here? What's wrong with you? All those little mm-hmm. superficial things that symptomatic that mm-hmm. get tangled so easily. What am I needing? Mm-hmm. Right. That's something we talk about in the right from the start course so much. Yeah. Figuring out from the get-go, right from the start with our babies, whether it's our first or fifth, what am I needing? What are they needing? What are my kids needing? What's my partner needing if I have one? Right. That's the juggle, mm-hmm. right? Because no need, one need is more important than another need. Mm-hmm. Our needs are just as important as our kids' needs, which are just as important as our partner's needs. And that's the whole nonviolent communication idea is there's no victim, aggressor, rescue triangle. Mm-hmm. It's just a circle of everybody's needs. We just rotate through and we figure it out. And that's where all the skill building is and the connection and relationship building is, is moving through these challenges together to figure out how to meet needs, right? Yeah, but it's messy. It is. Someone said, how do you handle name calling between two and a half year old twins? Shut up and stupid. They're hearing their six-year-old brother say it to them, but then they turn on each other and really hurt feelings. Yeah. Mm. I would just say simply, 
just be that mediator, that in the middle person. We talk about this uh, in the Right from the Start course, also our sibling conflict guide. And we just acknowledge, we say, you sound frustrated. So we take, we don't do the all the symptomatic words on top of the water. We go underneath, we say, what's at play here? You're sounding frustrated about that Lego that got switched. You want this Lego. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? You he, sound frustrated that he took your thing. Is yeah. that right? <clears throat> oh, you didn't like hearing that when he said that to you. We basically say everything that we wish they would say. Mm-hmm. So when they say these things, our kids, whether they're two, whether they're four, <clears throat> whether they're eight, 10, 15, when they say, I hate you or your stupid face mm-hmm. or you suck or you're the worst mom I'm just from earlier today <laughs> or whatever it is. I picture the VH1, like, what's it called? Pop-up? Pop-up like video. Pop-up video. <laughs> where, where this is, like, dating us um, hugely. <laughs> but where it's, like, pops up with these, like, uh, really introspective, cool informational facts. things and facts and uh, deeper dives of, like, this was going on. Did you know that blah, 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 blah? She really wanted to just go make a graham cracker marshmallow Right. In the microwave. Oh, my God. I had yeah. no idea. But, like, you're painting this huge picture Filling in this beautiful rainbow of fucking trivia. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Context it's, is it's trivia. It's emotional trivia that we're playing <laughs> with our kids in those moments. I love it. And we have to just protect ourselves from not getting super triggered by it. Because it's like hearing the words dumb and shit and stupid and all those things yeah. are really hard for us. But we have to just remember it's like tabloids. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. You wouldn't see that in a movie or a show and be like, oh my god. You'd be like, oh, of course Alec Baldwin's saying that. He's Alec Baldwin. Like, oh, Alec. He's doing the thing. I know, Alec. Um, yeah. A lot of other things going on here. Yeah, but that's, it's hard um, not to be sucked into that binary yeah. language and be hijacked by it. You can't say that. Mm-hmm. You can't talk to your brother that way. That's the look focus how on how much it hurt your feelings. The focus on socialization is very strong. Yeah. Very strong. It's a very big pull, right? Mm-hmm. We want to say, we're going to focus on self-awareness instead. That's where the... The root yeah. cause, the personal growth happens, mm-hmm. right? This is the, the the really important work that we do. Instead of saying socialization, your impact, what you said, why not it's even, bad. Not even, I feel like sometimes we have the goal of socialization and sometimes we're just like personally triggered and uh-huh. it's all ego. I'm just like, fucking make it stop. This mm-hmm. sucks. Mm-hmm. This feels terrible. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those are the two goals, mm-hmm. the ego-driven one and the socialization mm-hmm. ones that we can just set aside a little bit. And honestly, it feels like a big relief at times. And maybe some of you can relate to this. So let us know to step outside the ring and say, I don't have to be a part of this. And my greatest work is in creating, like we spoke about earlier, security in the normal conflict that exists with growing brains. Mm -hmm. And to say, not in relationships, not you can't say this or when you say this, this happens or don't do this, but say, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what it, I'm, I'm seeing, interpreting. How do you feel about that? What are you mm-hmm. thinking? What are you needing? What are you noticing? And being just that neutral onlooker, mm-hmm. that neutral support person. Think it about, feels so much better. It really does. Think about being in therapy with like mm-hmm. a friend or a partner. Mm-hmm. And like, if you guys were struggling with something, what if the therapist was like being a dick to you and being mm-hmm. like, oh, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you said I, what to I her? just did. <laughs> I just did, bitch. Like, I just said it, right? Like, that's how our kids feel in these moments when we get into, like, referee, jury, judge, mm-hmm. hall monitor, all these things. None of it's helpful. They're all yeah. being stuck in like, that moment. What if our therapy was that hostile environment? Of, yeah. Well, you did that, and then what did you do? What did you say? Did you cause this? Mm-hmm. Who started it? Like, who that quote, who started, started it? Who loses, like, right? 
We don't want that. That's not productive. People pay the big bucks and do the big healing in a safe psychological space with somebody who's neutral and accepting and validating and where they can process the root cause of their suffering. And that's the work we can do. We were not paid to do it. We didn't know we were supposed to do it with our kids, but we're saving them that therapy money. They can go on vacation. They can like buy a really cool sewing machine. That's Mm -hmm. what I want to do right now. Mm -hmm. They can, what what else can they do? Take a stained glass window course. That's what Kelsey wants to do right now. And I'm paying for therapy instead. Right. So think about it. The investment we're making right now in being that neutral mediator with our kids. When we can. Right. When we can. We can't we can. always. No, we can't. How to deal with my seven-year-old's constant disappointment with life. We just had left a play date with her friend, and she complained that I never let her do anything fun. So frustrating. Oh, mm. I'm sorry you experienced that when you think, I just gave them so much, and they're shitting all over it. <laughs> Low battery. Kelly, go charge your phone. Yeah, that's really hard. So when hard. Our, when yeah. our, we, we've done given our kids, quote unquote, given our kids yeah. this incredible experience. Like I took my kids to OMSI the other day and my daughter kept being like, I'm so bored. This is terrible. Mm. And I wanted to be like, do you know how much this cost? We don't have a pass. Do you, you could be in school sitting in your shitty classroom of that charter school that you didn't like. And I'm home with you instead. And I drove your ass across town. And mm-hmm. this is like, What's really terrible is that you're complaining about this thing, not what actually is happening Mm-mm. as like a white privileged child. Anyway, I totally relate with that. It's really hard. Um, and so I think that what we would recommend is what I tried to do, which mm-hmm. is validate the feelings. All the times that, let's just think about this for a second. When you're struggling the most mm-hmm. and you need a partner or a friend or a listening companion to acknowledge and validate your experience, what if you said, oh, that, that wasn't what I wanted, or oh, I had to leave and I didn't want to, or oh, I'm whatever it is, I wanted those shoes and I couldn't afford them, or I wanted to go on a trip and the times didn't work out, or I wanted that promotion and it didn't go that way. Like, what, what are we looking for in a friendship, in a partnership, in a trusted person? To not feel alone, yeah. to feel seen, to feel understood to feel validated. And I think that we can operate under that assumption as adults, but when it's about adult to kid, we think, what am I kind of um, condoning in this Mm -hmm. moment? What am I teaching? This is a teaching moment. So when my kid is being an entitled asshole Mm -hmm. because they had this awesome thing happen and then they're complaining about it, my go-to teaching moment is, you're being a brat. Mm -hmm. You've been given this amazing things. Why would you be complaining right now? And I think that we have to set aside that cultural conditioning to do that Mm -hmm. and look at our kids human to human and say, I am so sorry that that wasn't what you wanted. What did you want? Mm -hmm. Let's get back to the self-awareness. Let's tap back into that inner wisdom and inner authority so our kids can, instead of saying that was boring and that sucked, instead they can say, next time, maybe we could do it outside because I think that would be good. Or next time, instead of 30 minutes... Like I could do like an hour, hour and a half, and that would feel really good to me. When I think so right. much remembering about this is that our kids' self-awareness begins by our parent awareness in a lot of ways. Kids are very self-aware in a lot of ways, but other times they leave a party and they're like, I feel like such fucking shit right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And so they're going to just say their interpretation of why they feel uncomfortable. Or grandpa sucks. Which is, yeah. <laughs> you are terrible and you never let me do anything fun. When what they're really experiencing is a letdown from a really good time mm-hmm. 
that was spurred by us saying we have to go home. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, again, read between the lines. We have to go under that, that water and say, what's at play? You're disappointed. It was hard to say goodbye. It was dis- it was hard to leave. Well, I wonder if. I wonder if. Because spirited kids are like, that's don't not fucking true. Tell me what Don't to tell do. me yeah. what it is. Um, but saying, I wonder if you were disappointed. But even just in our minds, they, mm-hmm. they didn't want to leave. That's why they're saying this. Mm-hmm. right? There's a good reason behind everything our kids say and feel, but it doesn't sound the way that we would read in our New York Times morning article. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's uncouth. It's raw, it's unfiltered, mm-hmm. necessary. You know, it's just, it's not put together yeah. in that same way. And it takes us with the prefrontal cortices, the brain built mostly, <laughs> to, to, to reinterpret that, to take that and say, how am I going to mold this into something that serves me and our relationship, that respects my child for who they are in that moment? Mm-hmm. I love that idea of giving our kids the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like, take whatever they're throwing at us behaviorally. Mm-hmm. verbally, whatever it is, and think, if this were a friend confiding in me, if this were a partner crying, needing yeah. me, I'd spin that shit. Come on. Say I'd spin that into gold. Yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Right? And we can't always do it in our hardest moments. We're just going to shit on everything our kids do that triggers us, that makes us feel bad, that makes us feel worried, that mm. throws us into that fear spiral, whatever it is. But in our higher moments or those moments outside the moment we're working on our awareness, we can be building that practice mm-hmm. of thinking whatever they're doing is for a reason. Whatever they're saying has a need driving it that is that is beautiful <clears throat> and valid and necessary yeah. if we can pay attention and lean in when we can. Someone said, I recently heard of radical listening. I think all mamas need a radical listening partner. All parents do. All people do. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, right? Absolutely. I love that. Radical listening, you're like just listening really well. That's what radical well, tell listening them about is. The, like the Hakomi listening thing <clears throat> exercise you did. I don't, I don't even remember it. I did a, like a meta Hakomi. It's like somatic psychology kind of training. And I had some really great experiences. Clearly I've blocked some of them out. Kelty reminded me of one of them, but we did a lot of really interesting kind of experiments. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of, sorry. I'm kind of like in here That's trying okay. to figure out what comments are going just on. I'm trying to here. remember. I feel like one of them was you just sat with a partner and you were supposed to, mm. <clears throat> It wasn't like listen empathetically. It was so no. much more. It was like exude loving understanding. Yeah. While they were speaking about what something that they were going through, all you had to do was mm-hmm. exude loving understanding. And it was exhausting. And I feel like it, it is the work of parenting because we are constantly trying to support our kids' suffering and struggle and growth without taking it on ourselves, especially for those spongy ones of us. Like, yeah. Those empaths, those introverts, those people who who take it on and feel it hard and heavy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a double work yeah. to support our kids without undoing our own, you know, nervous systems, yeah. our own security, yeah. our own things. Yeah. No, it was just like unconditional positive regard, Carl that Rogers was, yeah. style stuff, um, where we just had to look with such kindness and loving at this total fucking stranger Mm -hmm. and like sometimes i think we look at our kids like they are a total fucking stranger the things they say the things Mm -hmm. they do the way they show up in the world it can be so disarming to us um, Mm -hmm. and really like disassociating and i think the the practice of saying can i look at this this human in front of me with so much love and understanding when i can't cognitively necessarily understand who they are and where they are Mm -hmm. um that's a practice right 
But I think the practice too is a mix between kind of arming up and letting go. Mm. And I think that sometimes we're in the middle and we're like, I'm a person, they're a person and I'm being me and I'm being triggered and I'm struggling and they're struggling and I'm just going to be a hundred percent myself. And that can be complicated when it comes to attachment figures for our kids. Mm -hmm. So how can we one arm up in a way that that I don't like this sort of like weaponry, like metaphor, metaphor. Mm -hmm. like how can we gear up? How can we, prepare ourselves in a way that we do for many other roles, many other jobs Mm -hmm. in our life. How can we step into the suit of armor, of, um, of, of power, of empathy, of love, of compassion, of, of drive, of responsibility ultimately for this, for being with our kids. It's not any willy nilly thing. Like it's a job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in some ways, how can we also, sidestep not just that if we're struggling but also sidestep the taking it personally and being triggered egotistically and say how can i let it go how can i float next to this other individual how can we both just be beings on this mission together side by side with no agenda Mm -hmm. how can i think of this as a job when i can and how can i think of this as just us being together and that being enough Mm I think a lot of work gets done in not doing just as much as it does in doing. And I think our society is so focused on control and on productivity that I think we forget that sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Someone said, hey, ladies, my toddler screams on the top of their lungs when she doesn't get something. It's scary and I have no idea what to do about it. It triggers me and I can't stay empathetic for too long. Oh, especially like the pre-verbal mm-hmm. when they're like, they don't have the words to say, not now or in five minutes Mm -hmm. or I wanted that or why did you move that Mm -hmm. or I'm tired or Mm -hmm. any of those things. They just scream because that's their communication technique. They're going to have wild ways of communication for a very long time. But the screaming, oh my gosh, Kelty's kids screamed at a certain um, pitch, pitch timbre. I don't know what the terminology is that I just could not handle it. And I would literally want to crawl out of my skin. And so I understand and empathize with that situation. And I think our role in those moments is to uh, preserve ourselves, is to make sure, uh, even if you have to put your hands over your, your ears for a moment to make sure that you're relaxed or step out of the room really quickly, come right back, do whatever you need to do, but then just translate the screaming. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can do, you're upset and you need something. How can I help you? What can I do to support you? I'm here. Or if we can't even say anything in those moments, we go to the our usual or not. Yes, that. So the scream is saying, I need. So we don't want to say, you don't need. Your needs don't matter. We want to say, your needs matter. So we want to nod and be like, yes. And meanwhile, taking the deep breath. That's our goal. Doing the things, De-escalate right? in that moment. Yeah. De-escalate our kid, de-escalate mm-hmm. our own emotions. Right. And I think that when our kids are like, maybe you're getting into a new phase with your toddler and they're screaming at the top of their lungs when they don't get something. And it's really scary. And I totally get that. And I think mm-hmm. that, that that is asking us as parents to put a little bit more of investment in things beforehand. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, nope, no more cookies or no, we got to leave the park now. Maybe a lot of us have been accustomed to just saying what we need or saying what's happening or saying what's not happening and our kids are rolling with it. That has never been my experience personally because my kids have resisted things since they were born, mm-hmm. um, which is 
kind of required me to put in a lot of an investment. And sometimes that comes at birth, sometimes that comes at two when our toddlers kind of step into their individuality. And um, sometimes that comes at five if they have a new sibling and they're struggling with stress. Sometimes that comes at seven or eight or into their teens for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Maybe they haven't resisted or screamed at the top of their lungs in whatever way they, they do at that age for a long time. But our kids will scream at the top of their lungs when they don't get what they want at some point in their development, hopefully many times through their development, right? And it's going to look different for every kid and it's all good and it's all okay. And it asks us to think, how am I making requests? How am I refusing things? How am I working collaboratively through this kid's life, whether they're two or 20, about the things that impact them? How am I engaging with them about their world, about their body, about their, their experiences, their about their timing, about the needs, and how can I be a little more sensitive? And I think our spirited kids and sensitive kids demand that of us. Mm-hmm. They show us, I need you to be a little quieter. I need you to give me three little connections before something happens. I need you to say, can I tell you why mm-hmm. and explain? Because I need a fucking reason to do whatever or to let go of whatever. I'm not going to just go because you say it's time or because mama says so. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Our our cultural conditioning says that's a pain in the butt. Any kid that resists, any kid that needs information, agency, connection, collaboration, time is a pain in the butt and is too much and it's bullshit. It's like capitalistic sexist bullshit. Absolutely. And I think that our kids... Are, are such beautiful, fierce advocates, um, self-advocates from the get-go. And they call us in to say, can I get on board and learn how to advocate for them in a different way that goes against our cultural conditioning, that goes against our society that says, you got to conform. You got to meet other people's needs. You got to see to everyone else before you, right? That's the shit we're trying to deal with as women in our 30s and saying, oh my God, we don't have to do that. So what do we need? So if blind blind obedience isn't the ideal, what is, Mm -hmm. right? Doing with, not to. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to do right from the start. Like our right from the start course is saying, how can we with babies, whether it's our first or fifth, be working with them to be building consent culture, body positivity, agency, collaboration, independent play, attunement to body, whether it's sleep, eating, potty training, diapering, bathing, dressing, hygiene, all the things. Mm -hmm. This all could begin in infancy. Mm -hmm. And it can also be readdressed as our kids get older and as we are becoming more aware Mm -hmm. of our relationship, of our impact with them and their bodies and their Mm -hmm. sense of self and their sense of self-worth. I think so much of what you're talking about, Kelty, is understanding and recognizing our power and privilege as parents. And I think mm-hmm. people can be like, wah, wah, clicking off right now. And that's okay. We're, getting, we're actually getting like more viewers. Too much. It's okay. <laughs> but I feel like we love to talk about power and privilege as parents and saying, oh my God, like we think, oh my gosh, we're, we're fighting against the man and work or in our, our, our communities. And, and we're trying to be, um, just aware and responsible. And then we come home and I think it's very hard for us to remember that we are the man in our relationships with our kids, that we have the power and privilege, that we are reinacting a hierarchy of sorts in our family lives with our children. Um, 
this institution we've mm-hmm. we we're, we're in in our homes that doesn't necessarily align with our our progressive values or our polit- political values and and so i think so much is saying how can we democratize our homes in this way um, without getting too wildly political but say how can we democratize by saying i'm a human they're a human we're all humans i might have more responsibility i might have more power but with the power i have the privilege to say how can I engage these younger kids, these babies, these toddlers, these children, these teenagers in a way that empowers them by giving them power and agency over their own lives, over their own bodies, their experiences, their needs, their feelings. We call them the freedoms. We have a freedoms model on our website at upbringing.co that you can download that has all of the freedoms that we can really easily over control in the best, uh, with the best of intentions as parents but based on that cultural conditioning that means we must shape, that we must do too. And that cultural conditioning that says that power is permission. Right. Power means we have permission over someone else. Our little kids, our our babies with the best intentions, like you said, Han. And I think instead of power is permission, we're saying power is privilege and we have to be wielding that privilege sensitively, Mm -hmm. responsibly, respectfully. And it's everything that we didn't learn growing up. And that's the big work that we have is to, to be constantly not just not doubting ourselves, but questioning ourselves lovingly with grace. How am I going into this interaction with my child? Is it as equals, even though I'm in the the parent role? Is it human to human, spirit Mm -hmm. to spirit, need to need? Because that's our goal. And not to say it is not hard. Someone said, I've been the quote unquote worst mom almost every other day this week. Thank you. I try, but I don't always know the reason behind it, especially when they're just in their car seats. Called the wor- and then someone else said called oh, called the worst mom for my very spirited kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. We are what we call lucky and chosen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where we are that safe place, just like our partners are the safe place. Where we're like, you suck. You're not good enough for me. You're treating me like crap. Why aren't you doing this thing and picking mm-hmm. up this thing and doing this thing? They're that safe place that it, that is kind of semi strangely done attachment figure mm-hmm. that should get worked out in therapy. Um, but were that with with our kids, where they project their discomfort onto us, they say, "You are a safe place, mom and dad." To say, "I'm struggling. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what I need," and so I'm gonna say that to you to to get you to help me, just but, like I did when I cried as a baby. Yeah, right? but it's such a huge conflict of interest because our culture says kids should respect their parents more than anyone else, mm-hmm. not be able to quote unquote, disrespect their parents. And that's where the catch 22 is. Like our kids should be able to let it all out and think of us as a safe space. If they can't say you suck because you got me the wrong spoon, they're not going to say this kid is forcing me to drink or uh, this partner is treating me like crap, right? Or I'm seeing this thing at work that's fucking racist and terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the more we're able to weather, listen, support, and separate our ego from our kids' struggles, even when they're targeted at us, mm-hmm. the more our kids are able to stay connected to that inner wisdom and authority and feel permission to advocate, not just for themselves, but for others too. Yeah. yeah. What to do when they hit or bite friends, someone asks. How to stay composed and not lecture. And I think composed is the name of the game. Take yeah. those deep breaths. Think right? of this as your ding ding that they're in a biting phase. Hit, hitting phase, biting phase. We're going to be close that's, by. That's what their brains do when they get overwhelmed, right? Or when someone crosses yeah. them, right? So we want to prevent that from happening. So we want to be closer when they're struggling. And if we can't, then we process that 
Again, instead of talking about the behaviors, what you say, do, what's right, what's wrong, oh, what, what was going meaning? on? I saw you bite him or hit, hit her. Right. What was going on? Were you feeling overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Was it too long? Should we have gone, gone home? Mm-hmm. Did you want one more turn on the whatever? Or did they take something? Okay, let's talk about it. Let's, let's help you build words and build comfort with your inner resistance, with your struggle. So that next time, maybe you'll express it in a different way mm-hmm. and not bite or hit or do And whatever. it won't sneak up on you, you know? Yeah. Like I think so much about behaviors, when we think of behaviors, mm-hmm. those are the last steps in a stress response, right? That we can suss out way earlier. And, and when we can yeah. help our kids understand why they felt stressed, why they had a need that wasn't being met, what they were needing in general... Yeah. We're getting earlier on that timeline of a stress response. Yeah. But part of that process, we're like, let's figure out what was stressing you to get ahead of it. So it's not <laughs> sneaking up on you. And I think that the first step is it can't sneak up on us. Mm-hmm. So if we're woke to it, then we're more checking it out, being on hand, yeah. being nearby. And I yeah. think that's the same for people who've been writing in. And a handful of people said like kids, toddlers, bopping babies, bopping pets. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a few of those. It just means that it's asking more of us, not demanding more of our kids. We need to be nearby. It says that even though they sometimes can be gentle, even though sometimes they can be composed and listen, quote unquote, to us, sometimes they can't and that's okay and we need to be there. Right? Yeah. Someone said, wow, this conversation is exactly what I've been needing. I appreciate it massively. We appreciate it. We haven't been on here lately. It's been a, a, a whirlwind mm-hmm. uh, with moving things and farm things and kid things and work things. And we just, we miss you all a lot. Um, this has been really great to connect here and we're going to do it again soon. We like to do it weekly, do these Q&As weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our Right From The Start Baby course launched uh, today. It's uh, enrollment open through the next 10 days. So check it out. Uh, our link in bio here on Instagram or on our website at upbringing.co. You can learn more there. If you or anyone you know is in that first year with your first baby or your 10th baby, however yeah, many A lot of people have. have been writing in being yeah. like, I want to gift it to my friend yeah. who's having a baby or my sister. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but it's just a video course, so Mm -hmm. you can watch at your own pace. All the modules are in video and transcript and audio and all the things. Oh, someone Mm. said that two- and five-year-olds are physical with each other. Can't leave them to work things out on their own because someone is always getting pinched or hit or bit. Mm -hmm. Totally triggered and have a hard time staying calm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that totally Mm -hmm. connects to what we were just saying. It's so hard thinking we're over the... The Three Stooges phase, <laughs> they're not babies anymore. And then all of a sudden our kids hit this phase where they're they are bigger and they're hurting each other and harming each other even more. And we're still needed. And it's hard being needed. And it's hard wanting our kids to be harmonious and be friendly and be loving. And it's and hard seeing them harm one another too. It can be really triggering yeah. in that way. But I think yeah. the hardest thing is thinking that they just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the word that we try to focus on is can't. They just can't. And when they can't, we've got all these mitigating circumstances. We've got all this empathy for them. We've got all this understanding for their brains and their development and their stressors. Mm-hmm. So lean into the word can't. Can't yeah. right now. Can't. Yet. Can't Those moments today. that we want to say won't. Yeah. They won't <laughs> totally. play well together. Yeah. It's so today, hard. Today. We get that. Everything. Sorry. Everything I think I was just saying is, is just today. We're all here today. Our kids are doing things today, right? We're struggling today. Everything's going to change. It changes tomorrow. It changes next week. It changes next year. 
Nothing is permanent. Nothing's forever. We're all moving and growing through all of these challenges together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what so much about these conversations are with you, Kel, is, is, is remembering and normalizing the challenges and the struggles and saying, we're, we're all in this together and none of this is permanent and we're all going to be all right. Yeah. And let's raise our awareness around these challenges so that we can accept them and lean in yeah. and practice powers beyond control that are less instinctual and more intuitive. Yeah. And I think we all grew up in this kind of binary system of like, well, you did three things right. So you're up three stairs and then up demotion. You yelled as a parent mm-hmm. or you did something wrong as a kid. So you go down a few steps. You're down a few pegs, fewer stickers on the sticker chart, whatever it is. And we just want to be like, fuck that whole system, that right? This whole personal growth thing, this whole parenting thing, this whole growing up alongside our kids thing. It's more like a river. We're flowing. We're always moving, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we get stuck on the a little eddy. Sometimes we get beached on the side. Sometimes we're, we're just floating on our backs, not looking, not paying attention, unable to do anything. And that's okay. It's okay. But we're moving. We're just, we're always moving forward. There's no up and down. There's no back or forward. There's no punishment. Like if, if you're here, you're learning. If you're here, you're growing. If you're here, you're investing mm-hmm. in your greater awareness, in your alignment and in your growth and your kids' growth. And that's, that's all there is. Mm-hmm. So we're really proud of you and we're grateful to be here growing up alongside you. Yeah. Someone said, I've had your voices in my head recently saying, this is them processing their feelings when my five and two-year-olds are having meltdowns. Yeah. It has really helped me just be present and empathetic. Oh, good. So Thank grateful for, for that. That really brings into to the forefront that feeling of, I wish my kids could process their feelings better. This voice in our heads that says, it's not good that, enough. I wish my kids could just get along. Yeah. Kids fighting is kids getting along. Kids melting down is kids processing emotions. Yeah. Everything we're seeing from our kids is okay. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. And I think instead of trying to control our kids' behaviors and feelings, keep trying to work on our self-control our self-regulation everything will be better acceptance our sense of humor yeah our self-care right what can we control we were an hour late tonight watching a room with a view (laughs) documentary (laughs) if that's not self-care i don't know what is okay i recommend it oh the eternal yes Mm -hmm. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Thanks for being here. We love you. You're doing an amazing job. We're grateful for you in our lives. You're not alone. We're all in this together. We're all doing the best we can. We're all growing up together.